0: You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Oh, it's good to have you with us. It really is. I know it's cold. It gets a little bit harder to get out of bed, doesn't it, on some of these cold mornings? But it's good to be together again. As somebody was saying to me just a couple of Sundays ago, you know, uh, um, life is life is kind of tough. When I when I get get here on a Sunday morning, uh, it it just redirects my my thoughts and so forth to. To God and there's something about praising him that that actually helps everything else find us its proper place. And I said, I think that's absolutely true. I think worship, I think praise, and I, I think fellowship coming together is actually, yes, it blesses God's heart, but but it's something that he knows we need as as well. So it's good good to be together. Heavenly Father, please we want to offer you up this time and Thank you so much for, the, for one another, for your church. Jesus, we thank you that you're head. You're very good at leading your church worldwide. And, and indeed, when, when you are in that place of headship, when you are properly exalted, when we acknowledge you, as we praise you, definitely the world is a better place. And the church is that blameless, spotless, without wrinkle, bride that she is supposed to be. We thank you that you were present amongst us this morning. And we now, as we open up your word, trust your spirit to once again minister it to us. Looking forward to to what you might have to say to each of us this morning. You know the week that we've had. You know the week that we're going to have. We might be looking forward to it. We might be dreading it, but there's no need to. You've got it covered. Speak to us now. You know what we need to hear? Each and every one of us, an individual, personal word. Please come and speak to us, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Many years ago, I was... Fairly young, and I was heading out to to coffee shop, and uh, coffee shop was an it was an evangelistic tool at beach resorts over the summer months uh, here in Victoria, and and I headed down to Ocean Grove where well I was I was looking forward to being a part of my very first coffee shop, although with a little fear and trepidation because I had learned that that part of coffee shop was giving a public testimony, and very soon I I. Looked, found my name on the roster, and began to dread this moment when I was to to give this testimony. It was one of the first times I'd probably done that sort of a thing before, but there seemed to be this this huge amount of pressure about how it was to be delivered, what it should look like, and. And even perhaps, you know, how God was going to use it—an expectation of what was going to result from this this humble testimony. I had done the course, and I'd, I'd kind of learnt the formula of talking about what life was like without God and what life was like after God, and and tricky little bridges and transitions in between, with an introduction and a conclusion an altar call and all of that in two minutes, and I I just felt so clumsy about the whole thing, and I, I really was not looking forward to it. For me, it was this huge public speaking exercise, but somebody gave me a hint and led me down a path that said, will you tell a great story? And so I thought, oh... All right. Oh, I've got to think of a great story. I mean, I'm only sixteen years of age. I haven't accumulated that many great stories. I mean, some of the best stories are the ones I can't tell. So um, I don't know. So I. But I remembered a time when I had been scuba diving, and uh, um, and on this particular particular trip. No, I must have been a bit older than than sixteen by by now because because I had my scuba diving license. But on this particular trip, I'd I'd run out of oxygen. Now, I had somebody with me and it was all all pretty cool. We checked each other's gauges. He had an octopus. I I was able to use that. We shared the breathing apparatus and went back and and surfaced. But hey, it was a little bit of an ordeal. And by myself, I would not have been been able to get out of that. Fortunately, all the protocols were in place. And and so I decided to share that story. And, And actually, I thought it was a great story. And so I, I, I had the formula right, and I gave the story. I did everything that I thought that everybody expected of me. And I remember sitting down, and, and uh, somebody sat with me and was too inebriated to realize that I was the same person that was just giving a testimony about five minutes beforehand. And uh, as we are chatting at the table, and I'm wondering about what impact has my amazing testimony that followed the formula perfect, and great scary scuba diving story, what impact had it had, and, and he said something like, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't think I believe all this stuff. Like that guy who was up there just a minute ago. That was me. He said, that was a load of... I can't say this in church. But that was a... What was it? Anyway, it was It was messy. It was smelly. It was the thing that he was equating my testimony to. It was something you wouldn't want to step in. It was... Anyway, He he didn't really believe that it was true. And I remember sitting back thinking... Do I tell him or not? Do I tell him it was me, it really happened or not? And I just sat there stunned thinking, huh, it's got to be easier than this. Because I did all of the tricks. I did everything that I had been told to do. I followed the paths, but it arrived at the wrong destination. You know, when we think about testimony and sharing our faith and so forth, I want to encourage you today that that it is actually not a public speaking exercise at all. We're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit about this. You know, the whole world really is God's courtroom. When you think about a testimony, when you think about a witness, the whole world is God's courtroom. All of history is the trial. God is the judge. Christ is the prosecutor. Church is exhibit A, and we we are the witnesses. And we're going to explore a little bit again Today, just how God is is using us to that end. I oh, remember we we launched on this little uh, series on personal evangelism from two Corinthians five twenty, where we were. We were told that, that, that we, as God's people, are like ambassadors, envoys, envoys of grace. And 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. It's an extraordinary thing. And I've, I've shared the last couple of weeks, many times we think that's a very bad idea with all due respect to, to God, because we know how how simple, humble beings we are and, and how much we could get it wrong. And, and yet God is committed to this plan and would love to show us the genius of it despite, despite our uh, opposition. Um, there were three, three aspects to this. Firstly, it's important to notice notice people, just notice people. It, it really can be sometimes that simple. And sometimes noticing the, the unnoticeable. Uh, sometimes the very people that, that God is working in are the very people that you and I wouldn't normally notice because they have already withdrawn. They have already stepped back. They have already drunken themselves. They have already, they have already tried to move into the shadows away from attention because life is not sweet. And that's where we need to, we need to look and we need to find them. Secondly, we need to sometimes um, shelve perhaps some of, the, some of the notions of how We are going to share our faith, and so forth. Uh, Some of those, the early guidance, at least to me, to how to give a testimony was not all that helpful. And as I say, it took me down a path, and it led me to the wrong destination. Listening to people is is a lost art. And sometimes, if we will just take the time to notice someone, come alongside them, and just listen to their story, we can find out amazing things about people and as we listen to them we are also listening to god and then of course there are opportunities where we can we can share share our story and share his story and to this end we we looked at a passage in john 4 we're not going there necessarily this morning but i just wanted to to remind us of that amazing passage where Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. John 4, 7 to 26, we've been looking at it the last couple of weeks. And and it really is an insight and a bit of a model, if you like, for for how Jesus was um, working alongside the Father, doing the Father's Father's work and receiving great joy from doing that. And there came a point in that story where he was was willing to share um, his his story, who he was, I am the Messiah, he said, and, and it's a reminder that we too have opportunities to share our story and, and his story. We looked last week at the fact that sometimes when people, people understand that we are Christians and, and you know get, get onto the topic of Christianity, they can have contentious questions, they can have genuine questions, but we also looked at the power of testimony. We ended by, by looking at Revelations chapter 12, 11, trying to understand, well, what is it about testimony that is so powerful? And is, is it really all it's cracked up to be? But testimony, remember, is very different to public speaking. It has a spiritual component. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. But we are told with some allegory that in the end times, the dragon, the evil one who comes against the saints, he is triumphed over. He loses in the end. How does this happen? Well, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And that's a reminder to us that if we are willing to go out on a limb and and be used of God to talk about the power of, of his blood to atone for our sin, what what that has done for us in bringing us into relationship with god if we're willing to do that and and be made available allow his spirit to work through us it is a very very powerful tool indeed do you have a testimony do you have a testimony yeah of course you do of course you do sometimes when we think of it, we, we go back to some dramatic story or event in our life, or perhaps back even back to our conversion. But but what about a recent one? What if somebody's to push you and just to say, yeah, 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 that that that's that, that sounds wonderful, that sounds good, but but here's my question: How is God real to you today? Could you answer that question? How is he real to you today? What does he mean to, to me today? In, in what way Do I value the blood of the lamb today, right now? How is this important to me? Well, in Revelation, we can see that that a testimony is a powerful thing. They were willing to die ultimately for their testimony about the blood of the lamb, and, and by so doing, they overcame the dragon. Simply put, when we testify, God gets exalted, his people Are edified and the devil finds the nearest exit it's an amazing thing it's amazing truth about testimony but it does all of those things it does exalt God it gives good testimony proper testimony one that functions as God would have it one that is spirit-filled led by the spirit it exalts God puts him in his right place it points people to God it says hey this God is amazing he is great he's fantastic and it edifies his people, his church, get built up. I was saying to somebody this last week, they were um, uh, telling, telling me about uh, some, someone or another who was, uh, we, we might call him um, somewhat of a deconstructionist. You know? I just said, anyone can deconstruct. Only the Spirit of God can build up, though. Your testimony builds up, it edifies, it builds the body up. But it also seems that this is the one thing, testimony about Jesus Christ, about God himself, it's the one thing that the devil just doesn't hang around about or he doesn't hang around for. He'll, he'll flee from you when you stand firm on, on who, who God really is. And so we, we are called to have a testimony. We're, we're called to be witnesses. And we want to explore this a little bit. I want to, want to talk about the, the fact that that we witness to the reality of the Holy Spirit, that we witness by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we share the witness of, of the Spirit of God too. But, but firstly, let's just have a look at this, this first part, that, that we are witnesses to the, to the reality of the Holy Spirit. Now, at first sight, for some of you, this might be sort of a little bit, oh, oh, really? I, I thought we gave testimony about God and Christ Jesus. Well, Well, yes, stay with me just for a moment in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Do you remember last week I said one of the things that gives me confidence when when talking to to people of particularly other religions or cults, and they're talking about the reality of their experience with God, and here I am talking about the reality of my experience of God, well, what would make me so confident? How is it that I feel confident in my experience of God, and actually more so, perhaps, than their experience of, of, of God, particularly if they belong to another religion or a cult? Well, it's simply this. I know with an absolute certainty 100 percent. I know the chief difference is that the spirit of the living God actually dwells within me. And that changes everything. I'm talking about a reality that I just know. I know that I know that I know they don't have. They just cannot talk about that at all. They can talk about their ideology. They can talk about their religious beliefs. They can, they can talk about their, their Bible or scriptures. They can talk about all manner of things, but they cannot testify to the reality of the Spirit of God living within them. It's impossible, because He dwells as a result of the work of Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 22 tells us or reminds us that that's what we've, we've got. That's what makes us believers. That's why we're Christians. That's, that's how we are in relationship with God, and it is, it is the fulfillment of God's plan to restore relationship to, to us or with us. It's for his spirit, to his presence, to actually dwell within us. And so the spirit of God is actually dwell, dwelling within us. Now, many of you grew up believing that you invited Jesus into your heart. And isn't that what we often teach in, in Sunday school as well? well? Let's look at Romans 8 verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. So there's the there's spirit, the Holy Spirit, as we would commonly call him. If you have the spirit of God living in you, and remember... those who do not have the spirit of christ living in them in them do not belong to him at all okay there's two things to note in that passage that if you do not have the spirit of christ living in you you do not belong to god okay so that's again comes back to that confidence thing but then secondly notice the three names in that one verse used for the holy spirit he's he's the spirit or the holy spirit he's the spirit of god and he is also the spirit of christ as well same spirit different names but essentially, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, ushers into us the presence of Christ into our lives. And so, so it is absolutely true. When you, you, know, you were not led astray, you don't have to write nasty letters to your Sunday school teachers. You, you were not led astray when you were, you were told that you invited Jesus into, into your heart. You absolutely did. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ... He himself comes up and takes takes residence in you. It's like he ushers the presence of Christ into into your life. So this is this is Jesus in us. Um, John fifteen eight. This is the uh, a verse we've looked at many times over the last couple of years. Remain in me, and I will re- remain in you. Here is Jesus Jesus's promise. You you abide in me, I will abide in you as well. This is Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. He's fulfilling His promise to never leave us nor forsake us. And so firstly, we witness to the reality of the Holy Spirit within us. And as I say, testimony, stop stop thinking public speaking. Just think about a close friend, somebody you could have a really warm, genuine chat with. Now, it might be a stranger that in that moment is just really, really open to, to hearing about your life and your faith. It might be somebody you've you know, you've known for years and have had close relationship with. But think about sharing with them the difference to you of having the very Spirit of God live within you. (laughs) I'm going to just slow down a little bit here because I want us all to just think about this. It's possible you've had one of those days, one of those weeks, one of those years, or maybe it's even been a couple of years, and you just feel a little bit, spiritually speaking, a little bit dry. And to be quite honest, as I ask the question, what are the benefits of having the Spirit of God within you, nothing is popping to mind immediately, and that's okay, I wouldn't want you to stay there, but it's okay that it's not an easy question necessarily to answer. If I look over the, my life, if I look over the long haul, I see a number of number of testimonies that I could give. Um, one, of the, one of the ones that, quite frankly, the Lord has helped me with, as I say, over many, many years... Is power to tame the tongue. Now, some people have 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 thanked me for for preaching and teaching and so forth. But for every upside, there's a downside, and the downside is that this this tongue of mine has not always been well harnessed. As a young man, um, I uh, man sarcasm just flowed so freely from this tongue. I um. Was just far too far too quick, and I could, I could, uh, a little bit like soldier ants. I could strip a beast in no time whatsoever. It was a sharp tongue. I'm not proud of it. When I went to my first youth pastorate up in Silkstone Baptist Church, up in Queensland, and and Silkstone is kind of a slower country area, and and here we'd come from from Melbourne, and I'd just been going through my tertiary education, and and. You know, I I just, my mind um, worked very, very quickly. And when I got up there, uh, one of of the deacons at the church was speaking to me, and then in a little bit of a quip and a, you know, Aussie humour, the way it works, he said, oh, hang on, am I speaking too fast for you? And in that moment, and so this was kind of a, you know, this was an invitation to exchange with him a little bit. And, oh, the things that went through my mind. (laughs) But the thing I heard was my heavenly father saying, no, Stuart, it's to be different. It's to be different from here on in. As you go into ministry, you're my mouthpiece. I need to give you the words. So I remember zipping it. And, uh, and thinking, it was a little bit disappointing. I really wanted to go for that. But zipping it and thinking, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you on this, on this God, but it's, it's got to be different. For me, I think one of the most telling moments was back in my youth leadership days, I'd been, I'd been pouring myself and a whole lot of time into, into some young, young person. And, and then a critical point came in their life where they were just totally undone by a particular crisis. And I saw them sitting with somebody else, just being mentored and prayed with by somebody else. And I remember just thinking to myself, "Oh boy, I've been walking with that with that kid all this time. You know, um, gee, I wish that that I could have I could have had that moment with them. That they would have entrusted this crisis and so forth to to me. That I could have you know been able to speak into it." And anyway, I did get an opportunity to speak with them later, and I didn't let on that that I was just feeling slightly envious that somebody else had been able to, to meet them at that, at that point of crisis and point of need. And uh, anyway, they just willingly shared with me. They said, yeah, I knew I could go to such and such. I said, yeah. And they said, because I could trust him. And I thought, oh, wow, what does that say about quick-witted Stuart with his quick tongue and, and his sarcasm and his humor and his, it says, you know what, people can't trust me. And uh, I realized something had to change then. Over time, God has been taming the tongue. It must have been a pretty big job because it's taken many, many, many years. And I would still say that it was not by... It is, this is not Stuart just growing up and becoming mature no 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 that could never have done it no the only thing that could have done it is the power of god himself his holy spirit him living within me even today the biggest lesson here is james 1 9 talks about being quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry god seemed to reverse it with me when i was younger it was he firstly helped me with my anger then he then he helped me just to be a little bit more slow to speak and and now um i 'm trusting him to help me to be quicker to listen that 's the one thing I want to do in my in my still growing still growing but in my in my relationships in my nurture in my discipleship, in my relationships with you I'm, I'm trying to get better at just holding that tongue, not having the right answer at just the right time because oh you 've come to me and i 'm the pastor to just hold my tongue to just stop to pray and to to listen to God as i 'm listening to you and to see if I can just Tune in to those words that really have life. Jesus said, "I only speak the words the Father gives me. Uh, give, gives him. They're the words I want. I want those words, the words that the Father gives me. They're the words that I want to have for you." Now, I usually warn you that after a service, after I've just finished speaking, that first ten minutes afterwards, I won't have those words. I'll be at my superficial best. But, 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 but after that, hit me at the eleven-minute mark. I'll try and be. I'll try and be back there. But. I just want to want to be in that place with a quietness, and and why after the service am I at my superficial best? It's just I'm just spent. That's all. That's all. It's not sinning or anything. Just 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 spent. But but when as the Lord re re-energizes, reenergizes me as I've as I've got the capacity to just be abiding in Him and in tune with His Spirit when I've had a little bit of that that physical mental rest. That's where I want to be. I want to be in that place where I'm listening to him and only speaking the words that the Father Father gives me. So that would be my testimony, taming the tongue. What's your testimony? What is the Spirit of God doing in your life? What does he he do for you? It's usually power to be, power to do. Uh, That was power to to tame the tongue. Um, What about power to be? What about, Stuart, today? Well, for for me, uh, my my little problem at the moment is busyness, and you know my definition of busyness. Quite possibly, you're out of the will of God. So, so I'm never proud of busyness. I I just find busyness means that it is it is creating greater stress in my life to to abide in Christ. It just becomes harder and harder to abide in Him, to be discerning. What what should I be doing? What shouldn't I be doing? Um, God has given me exactly the right amount of time to do the things that he wants me to do. So what am I doing that he doesn't want me to do? And, and it's just harder to, to, minute by minute, appropriate and understand his presence. That's one of my challenges. So in the last 24 hours, how is the Spirit of God relevant to me? What would be my testimony? How would I witness to that? I would just say, what's well, the, the power of God to just stop, to, to pause and to just say, you know, Daddy, I'm, I'm just way too busy at the minute. Okay, could you just help me prioritize things? What, 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 what has to go here? What's the order here? What's the one thing that you want me to be, to be thinking about and conscious of in this, in this given moment? And then if I'm just terribly unsettled, I come back to, to one of my 115 favorite verses of all time. It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's not the, all those verses. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but just the, the amazing peace of God. That peace of God which transcends all, understa- all understanding, guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. When everything is just you know, it's just turmoil, and, and I, I just can't find that, that little place of peace and rest in, my, in the busyness of my mind, my testimony is that as I offer up thanks to God, as I just stop and pause and start thanking him for anything that I can think of, that he gives me that peace, guaranteed every time, 100%. I can tell you, absolutely, I have never, ever prayed that prayer. Please, God, would you give me that peace which transcends all understanding? Would you guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus? I have never prayed that prayer and had him fail to answer it. And I prayed that prayer a lot. That to me is a miracle. That cannot be coincidence. And it's no special mantra, it's no special game, it doesn't, it doesn't call on yoga or new age or emptying myself of anything. It's nothing like that. No, it's I'm still filled up with 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 all of life's concerns, but somehow Jesus walks into the midst of that and he says, Be still. It's miraculous. It is absolutely miraculous. I would gladly testify based on just the peace alone that God gives me. Jesus is real. He's real. And there is nothing you could say to refute that or to ever make me doubt it. What's your testimony? How is God real to you today? How is he, he abiding in you today? What's the reality of Christ living within you today? What would you say to somebody Who asked? Because firstly, we are witnesses to the reality of the the Holy Spirit. Then secondly, when we feel very, very inadequate, now that is usually 60 seconds in every minute, 60 minutes in every hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks of the year. We feel inadequate for this task. But when we do, We have another promise, and that is that the Holy Spirit gives us power to be witnesses. Acts 1, 5 to 8, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. There are times where, quite frankly, we are in situations where we feel powerless. And maybe you know those situations. Maybe you've had one of those amazing moments. You sit down next to somebody on a bus and they turn to you and say, would you please lead me to Jesus? And you just don't have the words. Well, it doesn't happen often, does it? But, but, but you have had opportunities to witness. You have had opportunities to exalt God. You've had opportunities to say the right thing. And could you remember it? Yes, about seven days later. Yeah, you, you know that was? Me too, me too. Wow. I feel so disappointed with my timing sometimes, <laughs> but I trust God with it as well. Well, there is power for this task of witnessing. It doesn't, you don't have to feel pressure in this, in this task. You just gotta know the reality of the Spirit of God within you and keep in step with him, walk with him. It's okay. He'll give you the power that you need. Jesus promised the disciples. Sometimes you'll be brought before kings and rulers and other people. You're gonna be shaken at the knees. You're not gonna know what to say, but I will give you the words in that moment. I believe that has happened. And I I believe sometimes I have walked away thinking they were really strange words, God. But anyway, I trust him. I don't think it was the, you know. Often I'll walk away thinking, I don't think they were were the best words, or that was the best way to put it, or that didn't seem very powerful to me, to be quite honest. I walk away just a little bit disappointed, thinking, maybe God didn't show up like I thought. He was supposed to give me the words to say in that moment. Later on, somebody will say to me, Stuart, they were just the right words. I've got to hide the fact that you're kidding. You know, really? Seriously? (laughs) That old joke. No. But... God seems to use. So God seems to use our weakness, and His Spirit loves to do what we, we cannot do. Uh, it was over ten years ago. I was, I was sitting in San Diego in a, a TGI Fridays with a guy by the name of Gary Witherall. I was just asking Gary about uh, his wedding ring, which wasn't on his finger; it was on a chain, because his wife, in that last year, had just been been murdered in Lebanon. They were missionaries there in Sidon. And I guess they were living in Sidon, uh, hoping that somehow just through loving people there, that that they might have an opportunity to 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 be witnesses for Jesus Christ as as he calls us to. and And often life was, you know, Gary would have said, often life was very, very normal for them as cross-cultural missionaries. And uh, he he remembers this one particular day, the day Bonnie died. Um, she had gone to work. She worked at a clinic and she'd gone to make tea and coffee for the Palestinian refugees that would, that would come and, and, and get medical attention there at the clinic. And she'd gone ahead, but it was his day off, so he just slept in. And then he got a, got a phone call and he, he looked at the number and he thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take this. And it was a panicked voice, one of their co workers, and said, Gary, you've got to get to the clinic now. And he said, why, what's wrong? Is everything okay? Is Bonnie, is Bonnie okay? And, and, and he got no answer. Just, just, you need to get to the clinic now. And when somebody refuses to answer that question, that kind of, kind of just causes you to, to panic all the more. And so as Gary was just over that meal in San Diego at that particular time, filling me on just a few more of the, the details, he said, it was the strange thing, Stuart. He said, all of a sudden realizing um, I... I had no money for a taxi, so here I desperately have to get to the clinic. I don't know how Bonnie is, and I I don't know what's going on, but I've got to get there faster than I've ever gotten there before, and uh, and I had no change for a taxi, so I'm looking everywhere for change. I couldn't find it, so now I've got to go to, to an ATM and find an ATM somewhere to pay the taxi driver, and, and so he, he dressed, he ran downstairs, found the nearest taxi, had to get to a bank, and... And all the time, his mind just just what what is what is going on here? He finally gets to the to the clinic and pushes past several policemen who are already in attendance there, and he rushes upstairs to to get to to, to Bonnie. He said, "Where's Bonnie? Where's Bonnie?" And and somebody says, uh, "Upstairs," but but in a way that didn't leave him with much confidence. And as he raced upstairs, he could he could see where most likely she, she was in a particular room. And as he ran for the room, a policeman just tackled him and forced him backwards into another room. He said, you can't go in there. He said, that's my wife. I've got to go in. He said, you can't go in there. And another policeman came and, and they just kept, kept Gary back. And, and, uh, and he asked, where, where is she? And they told him where in the room. And he knew that room. And So he went into the next room and he just lay down on the other side of the wall, as close as he could get to where he knew Bonnie would be laying. As he just lay there, just crying out to God in that moment, he remembers distinctly God saying, Gary, you have a choice. And the choice is very, very simple here. You can forgive or you can become a very, very bitter man. And he just cried out and said, God, would you help me? I can't do this. Not by myself. Would you help me? I want to forgive. I choose to forgive. And within 24 hours, Gary had a witness that he could never have expected. By the power of the Spirit of God, remember, we will receive power we will be able to give a witness that in and of ourselves we could never do within 24 hours he was on national news right across lebanon and into the middle east declaring that by the power of jesus christ within him he wants to forgive those who took the life of his dear white body He could have worked in Lebanon for many, many years and not had the impact of that one moment. But it came because of the Spirit of God within him, giving him power to do something that he could could not do by himself. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. It's real power, genuine power, amazing power. And God will do that for you and for I, even though our circumstances might not be as dramatic as that. It might be in the ordinary and the mundane, but that same power, the same Holy Spirit, God himself is with you. And he will give you power to be his witness. So we witness to the reality of the Holy Spirit within us. We witness by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And then lastly, here's an interesting thought. We actually share the actual witness of the Holy Spirit himself. Look at this verse, Acts 5.32. And this was in the context of much persecution. And the apostles are are joyous at being able to, to be witnesses amidst this persecution. They say, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey Him. So God is using us as His witnesses in the world, but the Holy Spirit Himself is also bearing witness to the reality of God. You know, in John 16, part of His task is convicting people of sin and righteousness and so on. And the Holy Spirit Himself is working as as a witness. And so when we are actually bearing witness and testimony, we are allowing the Spirit of God to also witness to the reality of God. And so it comes back to that important task of, again, listening to God in those moments. Because the Holy Spirit might have something to say. The Holy Spirit himself might actually want to interject into a particular moment or a situation and actually bear witness. To the glory of God himself in that moment and that's why before we share we have to listen yes listen to other people but to listen to God as well the listening doesn't stop as we're sharing our story we're listening to God and allowing him to to speak through us often when we think of testimony correct me if I'm wrong but we often think past don't we how has God been at work in my life in the past But sometimes when we are giving witness or testimony, let's think about the present or even the future. What is the Spirit of God wanting to do right now here in this moment? How is he wanting to to act? What is the Spirit of God wanting to do? How does he want to to witness? Um, Again, in chapter 4, in the context of persecution in in Acts, uh, the believers are just in sharing an incredible time of God moving in their midst and doing amazing things. The church had grown to over 5,000 by this time. It's a big church. God is just working amongst them in an unprecedented fashion. It's extraordinary. Yes, they're getting arrested, they're getting persecution and all of those sorts of things, but they're just praying for more and more boldness. They're just saying, Holy Spirit, just make us bold. Keep doing what you're doing. You sense their enthusiasm and in chapter, uh, sorry, verse verse 30. Or 29, let me read that as well. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Chapter 4, verse 29. Consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. The Spirit of God can do that. To speak your words with great boldness. Now, here's the... Here's the interesting thing. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. One of, one of the fruits of being filled with the Holy Spirit afresh was that they spoke the word of God boldly once more. Amazing, eh? So here is the little formula. Um, It's easy to remember. Just just think, you know, www.godatwork.com. I just made that up. I bet you there's a website. But think www.words, works, wonders. www.words, works, wonders. They were all there. It was all a part of how the Holy Spirit was witnessing to the reality of God. The Holy Spirit loves to witness to his Father. He does it through words. And sometimes it's the the word of your testimony, and it might be a a past work of God in your life, but it might be a present work of God in your life. It might be a future work of God in your life, something that you are still hoping for, something that, you know, I haven't even seen God's answer to this prayer yet, but I know in anticipation of his answer, there is hope. Anyone got A prayer that they are still waiting on an answer for? If not, go get one. They're good to have. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you do you feel filled with hope sometimes? Perhaps a little bit of despondency, sometimes a little of hurry up, God, please. You know, sometimes we get impatient. But overall, can you testify to the fact that here is an outstanding request, but I am filled with the hope of God that he has heard my prayer and in time will answer. That's a testimony. It's future, but the hope is real and it's now and the Spirit of God himself gives it to you. It's a very powerful testimony, actually. Um, words. Sometimes as you're listening to God and you're speaking to somebody, God will give you a prophetic word. He will give you a word of knowledge, a word you could not have understood this yourself, and, and, but, but all of a sudden you offer it up. And always with the prophetic and words of knowledge, as we, as we learned in our little school prophecy earlier, just, just, just offer it, just listen. Maybe we don't even understand all of it, but just offer it and just say, listen, here it is. No explanation. No, I won't even try and interpret, but is that meaningful to you? I think I think God might have asked me to share it with you could be wrong if I am don't stone me just 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 receive it if it's for you it's all it's very easy and sometimes God God does that and he longs to he longs to use us in that way bring a word of encouragement or exhortation to, to somebody words works in that moment you know, James, James tells us clearly, isn't it, you know, don't if you see it, if you see an obvious need, if you see that somebody is cold or hungry or something, don't say, You look cold and hungry, well, the Lord bless you. Oh, high five. No, James says, Don't do that. Clothe them, feed them. What what are the works that that God is showing you to to administer to their lives? What what has he shown you? Is he now asking you to to also um Provide in some way for those needs. Words, works, wonders. We've got a wonderful, a wonderful God who loves to to work wonders in in people's lives. Because we can't do it. We don't do it. It doesn't come from us. We don't heal. We don't. We don't do those things. We're not gods. But Heavenly Father, He's very good at that. We're just going to be open and maybe sometimes more open to the fact that sometimes He chooses to move in that way. If He does, be His instrument. All we, could, all we can do is be, a, you know, as, a, as it were, open to the administrator of grace, the Holy Spirit, saying, well, this is authorized. Grace is going to abound in this particular situation. There we go. And we're just simply the vehicles through which grace is flowing from from the heart of God into a person's life. It's wonderful. That's why we call it a wonder. And God does that today. He's been doing it amongst our congregation here. Sometimes you might hear of a story of, of God doing this for a person or doing that for a person, and you might think, you know, oh, I wouldn't have expected that. I mean, it's such a trivial thing. Well, it might be to you, but maybe not to that person. Maybe it really meant something very, very deep to them. Don't dismiss the work of the Holy Spirit. Words, works, wonders. Allow the, the Spirit of God to bear witness to God, however he chooses. But allow him to to do it through you and to be a to be a vehicle. Witness. Testimony. We have so many so many wonderful opportunities to be used of God. Let me finish with with a word that Liz had. She's praying for us this morning and and she just handed this uh, handed this to me, just wondering where did it fit, and I knew instantly it fitted. It fitted here. Thank you, Liz. I think your role isn't on BioBox, just just by the way. The picture that Liz had was she was she was conscious of a of a woman giving giving birth and uh, the labor the labor pains. Um, is the word violent? evident. The labor pains are evident. This is imminent. And the question is, are we ready for the birth? Are we ready for the birth? God is at work. God is doing something. And I, I felt in the context of what we're talking about today, here we are talking about God wanting to use us as his wit- witnesses, as his instruments to give testimony to his reality. Something, something is being birthed here. Are we ready? The labor pains are evident. Are we ready for the birth? Maybe there's somebody in your life that you have been praying for for a long time and things are coming to fruition. The time is almost ready. God wants to use you in their lives. He wants to use your witness to that end. The passage that Liz had to go along with this is Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, Sometimes, sometimes overlooked, but there's nothing in here that isn't also in the rest of Scripture. Luke's Great Commission, he said to them, "'Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. "'Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved.'" But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. I'll just read on a couple of verses. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And I love this bit. The disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. You are not alone. You are not alone. It's quite possible that a lot of what you have learnt and been taught about testimony and public testimony and so forth is not really what the Word of God is asking of you. He's asking you to be a witness to Him, to the reality of God within, through His power and a vehicle through whom He also can witness to others. You can be confident of this. The Lord is working with you. Jesus, we want to thank you so much for for this word this morning, for this reminder. We look forward to all that you... Are going to do as we simply make ourselves available to you. Remind us afresh, I pray, Lord, of the reality and the power of your spirit to enable us to be the witnesses you call us to be. this in your name. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.